Good evening, everyone, and welcome to this episode of She Squared, the podcast that gives voice to the written word of your favorite fem slash pairing. I'm your host, Natasha Lance, and tonight we are going to do things just a little bit differently. Um, usually I will read a story and we will engage with the author beforehand in some questions that we have submitted to the author and they kind of get back to us and we have a rapport that way. Tonight we're going to be doing things a little bit differently. Um, I'm going to be reading Gabna 43's I Walk the Line, which is a pretty fantastic avalanche story, actually. And instead of just submitting questions to Gabna uh, in advance, we actually have Gabna here uh, to give answers to those questions live. So it should be quite interesting. Um, disclosure, Gabna and I have known each other for quite a few many years. So um, she doesn't think I'm scary. Right? You're not scary. Okay. Well, don't give like, don't kill don't my mystique. Right. That. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so just, you know, if if any authors in the future want to actually come on and do the exact same thing, um, you obviously will not be coming to uh, my house where this is uh, recorded, but um, like Gabna is, um, we are actually sitting in the same room and um, yeah, we can do it over Skype or, or, or Zoom or, or whatever you would prefer to do. Um, but anyway, so welcome, Gabna. Um, do you want to tell the the readers anything about or the listeners here anything about yourself how you got kind of into writing fan fiction um uh, okay you guys can't see but she's <laughs> laughing right now because uh pre-interview we were going over kind of some of the questions that I would be asking and I said you know I'm going to ask you pretty typical question uh, I'm going to ask you when did you first get started writing and she kind of just paused and looked at me and said writing or writing fan fiction and there was this long kind of drawn out silence and I said writing fan fiction and she said well because they're different you know writing and and writing fan fiction I said you are on a podcast talking about fan fiction so obviously I mean writing fan fiction so my bad how did you get started writing fan fiction? Sorry, I was not trying to be elitist. I was trying to make sure that I answered the question the way you wanted me to answer because the first amazing text I ever wrote, um, I was eight, nine years old, and I wrote a song called Jesus Christ and the Sun Sphere. So, you know, I'm sorry. I wanted to make sure that I was giving your readers and your listeners the, the correct information. That is fantastic. Did anybody ever record that? Oddly enough, no, but I thought it was clearly a, a best, best. How old were you when you wrote like that? I said eight or nine. That's fantastic. Yes. That's it's, wonderful. Like I said, it's one of the best songs ever written. Um, <laughs> but my my first fan fiction text, I think, was written for um, Xena, Warrior Princess. Um, Shout out, Xena. I was um, involved in a post Finn um, contest. So Finn, you mean Friends in Need? Yes. Okay. Um, and um, which is the series finale, Friends in Need, Part One, Part Two. Sorry for cutting you off. No, that's fine. Um, but for all of the uh, younger members of the audience or older members who haven't watched um, the the finale of Xena Warrior Princess in season six was um, Friend in Need One and Friend in Need Two. Uh, I think they probably thought they were being cute by making yeah. it Finn like, oh, it's the finale, you know, kind of thing. Um, but it was. I'm sorry, it was kind of shit in its own right, just the way that they they yes. handled things, but whatever. 
And, and ironically, there's some beautiful fixes out there. That's so. one of the the first long conversations that I had with Natasha was actually about um, the end of Xena and years and years and years ago. And, and our thoughts, our various thoughts on the end of that series. Um, but I saw on um, the Royal Academy of Bards fan fiction uh, site that they were doing a post Finn kind of fix it contest. Right. Yeah. Um, and so there were a lot, I mean, I think there were over a hundred entries into that contest. And so I was so um, incensed, I guess is the right word of some of the choices made in that finale that it kind of led me to want to write a, a fix it. So that was really my first, what I would I call fan fiction. Cool. Um, is the Royal Academy of Bards still up? It is. Really? Yes, it is. And they still occasionally wow. um, have new authors. Most of what's um, posted these days is alt fiction, um, you know, stories of Xena and Gabrielle in different time periods, modern time periods. Um, but yeah, it's still active. Which I just want to point out, it, you know, and we're going to be talking about Legends, obviously, because you're primarily an Avalanche writer. Yes. But uh, I just want to point out that Xena, back in the day wholeheartedly embraced the notion of alternative fiction, um, alternative narratives kind of for their, their heroes. And, and they called them Uber fix. I think they did. They called them Uber fix, um, which is weird now because you have Uber as the, in, in no way the same. Um, but yeah, so you had um, Xena and Gabrielle going through different incarnations in the show and we saw multiple ones, but usually those episodes were humorous, yes. right? So you had Janice and Mel, who yeah. were the archaeologist, who is played by Renee O'Connor. Um, Janice was the archaeologist play, played by Renee O'Connor, who plays Gabrielle. And she's like this Indiana Jones. Yeah, she's like the most dykey version of Indiana Jones. I mean, it's seen. it's glorious. She's got like the cigar and the hat and the jet. Like, it's fantastic. Even the whip, right? Yeah, she had the whip. The whip. Yeah. Um, it was fantastic. And then Lucy Lawless, who plays Xena, she played Mel, which I think was short for Melinda. Yes. Who was just this... Um, was it was librarian, wasn't she? It's like upper class socialite librarian. And she had like a southern Dover. accent. Yes, it's, it's it was awful. it was ludicrous. It was the mummy before the mummy was the mummy. Yes. Okay. Um and it was it was just absolutely wonderful. And we had them for a couple of episodes and they were spaced out over seasons. And then there was um I mean Lucy Lawless played like seven different characters. Oh yeah. And they made fun of that. Yes. They made fun. They wouldn't even, they were just like, oh, the gods must have loved your form, yes. right? Because she kept playing different characters. Um, but then there was the modern day mm-hmm. versions the of themselves. Yeah, yeah, man, this show was wild. It was <laughs> just absolutely wonderful. And I know now, now it's like, oh, are we going to be reading Xena? We are not this time. Um, but hopefully if, you know, any of you have read amazing Xenofix or you have written Xenofix that are just, you know, wonderful. Um, There's still a lot of things yeah. out there. I mean, oh, my God. Just every day I read things from Xenofan every day. Like I really do on Twitter, on Tumblr, everywhere. So, um, yeah, just. Get in touch with us. Send them. Send us those stories because I would love, love to go back to my roots. Because I got to tell you, that is where I started as well in fan fiction. 
was with Xena, Warrior Princess, and um, Star Trek. Obviously, can't forget Star Trek. Because if you were a little lesbian growing up in the in the '90s, in your <laughs> in your teen years in the '90s, then you definitely had Xena and you had Star Trek, specifically Star Trek Voyager. Um, <laughs> with Janeway and Seven of Nine, which I can't even get onto a tangent about them because then we will never talk about Avalanche ever. So, uh, yeah, so wonderful, wonderful, very strong shows in the 90s. We're not going to forget Buffy, um, who, by the way, did you, you know, you know, Dolly Parton actually was an executive producer I, on Buffy. I do know that. All good things in the world stem from Dolly Parton. <laughs> they stem from Dolly. Um, Dolly's production company right, was the one that actually did Buffy the Vampire Slayer. But she wanted her name not attached to it just because she didn't want to draw focus. To herself. To herself. Which is pretty standard Dolly Parton. Yeah, it's pretty standard Dolly. It's kind of like, you know, hi, I paid for the research for the Moderna vaccine, but I still haven't taken it yet months after it's been available. It's very Dolly Parton. It's very Dolly, yeah. Um, And full disclosure, I am actually, um, my apologies if I am having to pause a lot more. I have just gotten over COVID myself. Um, thankfully, I think it was a mild case, maybe a little bit moderate, but it is um, it is difficult. So that's one of the reasons why this episode is kind of late and our apologies for that. But um, yeah, we're just kind of hanging in there. Everybody who's still dealing with it, everybody who is dealing with it right now, we hope that, that you come out um, just doing the best that you can. And we are all sending you our thoughts and our prayers and our positive energy um, your way. So let me get to your writing an avalanche. Okay, so we are going to be reading I Walk the Line, which I think is a fantastic, um, a fantastic story. So I want you to tell me a little bit about why you chose this story. Um, why you chose this thing to write about, I guess, because you've written a lot of avalanche stories. Um, in fact, you have written a 14 chapter epic <laughs> called It's Just a Cup of Coffee, What Gave Me Away, um, that goes through, I think it takes the reader through Ava <laughs> when we first see her, who is like, I'm going to arrest you and kill you if you make a wrong move, Sarah, and up to where they are the love of each other's lives. Well, it takes so much to the first date because it just is one of those things of that's that's something that we don't get to see in the show. And and back to your original question, so much of what I write is about what I imagine could have happened, must have happened um, beyond what we were shown. Because there's so much, especially about Avalanche's relationship, that we are kind of asked to fill in the blanks. Right. Yeah. So especially um, with that that 14 chapter epic that you're talking about, I mean, there's just such a change for Ava specifically between who she is when we first see her at the beginning of season three to, you know, toward the end of season three, they're going on this date and she's giggling. And it's just so far right? removed. Right? Ava Sharp giggles. It's <laughs> multiple times in that episode. And it's so far removed from this... Uh, very badass, but also stuck up, very regulated agent that we see at the beginning. And so for me, it was the, okay, well, what happened? And the show doesn't really explain that. I mean, we know that some things have changed, and particularly in the Viking episode, we see the dynamic between the two of them change. But 
for her to even be God, that's a good episode. On that episode, for her to even go to Valhalla, um, not Valhalla, New Vinland, um, for her, her to even do that, um, something had to have changed. So I, in my head, was like, what changed? What happened between those? Um, so that was really what that 14 chapter epic is about. Um, in terms of I Walked the Line, I, it was very clear to me that they were trying, that the writers were trying to hint um, in the episodes in season four that drove Sarah and Ava apart, that they were trying to hint that the demon Neuron was behind those events. Um, and so, you know, they're fighting over this anachronism. Right, because he takes Ava. Right. Eventually. Yes, eventually. Yeah, just spoilers, guys. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, You know, if you haven't, if you haven't seen any of Legends, then obviously you don't want to be listening to. Surprise. (laughs) To us talking about what's going on. But I'll go back and put a a spoiler alert at the beginning. Um, But yeah, he takes Ava. He does. Yeah, he takes Ava. Ava. And because of that, I'm not going to get too far into why he takes Ava. But he needs them to be separated. He needs them not to be in a happy, loving relationship at that point. That's very interesting. Um, And so we see there's just a few glimpses of him on the sidelines in his human form, kind of watching these arguments happen. But they don't really explain why that is. Wait, do we? Do we see that? Yes, right after the dance scene. Actually, you see Neron is standing there and he's looking at them. Shut up. That really? (laughs) Yes. Really? Oh, man, I'm going to have to go back and rewatch. But, you know, it's oh, man. Episode. Sorry. Um, and, I did not know that. And that episode where they're tangoing, I mean, come on, you can't really forget that episode. Anymore. Listen to me. I was on a very long drive. No, no, do not text and drive, y'all. Do not Google and drive. Do not text and drive. And I am making this announcement before I talk to you about how I did it. And I <laughs> am very sorry. Um, I was on a very long drive. And for some reason, it just came into my mind. And I was like, man, I really wish they did a scene where Sarah and and Ava are dancing because I know that both actresses are, are dancers and um, that that would be so amazing. And so I was like, I wonder, I just wonder. And so I was kind of like at a, one of those like slow, you're way back from the light, but you're, you know, very slow. So don't Google and drive. Um, So I did Google and, and while, whilst I was paused in my driving and saw that there was indeed this scene and I was so giddy. And then I watched the episode and I was like, well, fuck, like (laughs) this is not, they're arguing in the middle of the dancing and it was not at all what, you know, I wanted, but it was a great dance. It was a wonderful scene. Um, And if you see gifts of it, um, you guys, then it's not a happy scene. Just heads up. It's not a happy scene. But I did not see that motherfucker in the corner. I did he not. Is. He's, he's oh. there. Um, and they, they spend Man. some time focusing on him right when Ava is leaving and tells Sarah, you know, I know you didn't think I was figuring out what you were doing. And then there's just a cut scene where he's standing by the bar drinking. And so, you know, for me, it was the, okay, he's there. He's clearly behind those emotions stirring up their antagonism. But I was like, okay, I find it, for lots of reasons, I find it hard to believe that they would have been arguing and have said the things that they said about this copay, this this mystical creature. Um, Some of how that argument went down for me is it's very clearly demon, I I don't know, encouraged, um, because it seemed very outside the lines of what they had been arguing about or conflicts they had had before. So I was like, okay, what if we 
changed this up, changed the scenario, mm-hmm. and decided that they weren't arguing over an anachronism, but in fact were having a falling out or having issues in their relationship because of the things that really make them them as individuals. So, you know, Sarah's propensity to be drawn to darkness right. and Ava's insecurity. So I thought, okay, what does a story look like if they're drawn, if they're pushed apart because of those things that are kind of fundamental parts of who they are? So I Walk the Line was invented from the, what if Neuron decided to push them away using each of their inherent personality traits? Each of those inherent personality traits. Sarah's being drawn to the darkness and and Ava's insecurities. Yes. Which we do get to see. Yes. Which is so ironic because they don't really come out except where Sarah is concerned. Um, And specifically in the episode where she is taken um, and she is in purgatory and Sarah goes to purgatory, which is, listen, y'all, is a whole big thing because... You do a whole podcast just on that episode. I mean, Sarah is the... uh, Sarah going to purgatory, let me just let me just simplify it. Sarah going to purgatory is not a good idea, okay? Um, just not a good idea in any way, shape, or form. She may not come back. She may come back and try to kill everybody again. Like, it is a, it is a very bad idea, but, but she, she goes. Doesn't care she does not she, care. She, the, the woman that she's in love with is in danger, and so she worries more about that than she does about herself, which is very Sarah Lance-like. Yeah, it is. It is, absolutely. Um... I don't know where I was going with that. I just kind of totally had brain fog That's right okay. there. That happens. Okay. Um, so I, I, I love the idea that, and, I'm, and this is something that you do with all of your stories. You use song titles mm-hmm. as the titles of all of your stories. And I think this one, um, no, you're epic. It's just a cup of coffee. What gave me away? That's actually two song titles. It is. Um, so obviously I walk the line. This is a, an old Johnny Cash song. Johnny Cash song and yeah. then I think Halsey did a version. I think, nope, was not Halsey. Do not. <laughs> it was not. I do not have my phone, so I cannot tell you. So someone please drop me a line and let me know who was the person that actually did the remake. That is an amazing remake. Um, and now I feel really bad about that. Sorry. No, I'm not going to cut it out. Just so you all know, I am there human. There is an amazing and I'm, person out there. Go, go find it, is I think what she's trying to um, say. I'm going to look it up while you give this answer, okay, just so we're fine. clear. So you guys are going to hear me typing. And that, so you're just going to just gonna have to deal with that. Um, so why? Why song titles? Why is that? I think because for a lot of people, songs communicate so much about what we are feeling in ways that we can't express. It is Halsey. Look at that. I was right. I'm so sorry. Totally I got very excited. You did get it's excited. It's totally Halsey. Okay. Halsey does an amazing cover of this song. And I, again, I am so She That's is looking funny. at me like you just asked me this damn question and you cut me off. I am so sorry. Um, okay, great. Sorry. I Please continue. It's fine. My I, bad. I love the enthusiasm. Okay. Um, Songs do such a good job of capturing emotions that sometimes we are unable to communicate. Um, and I Walk the Line for me is one of those songs that, especially if you know anything about the the true story behind why Johnny Cash wrote that song, it's so much about he loves his wife. And at the time, I believe she was his fiance, loves his wife so much that even though he has this reputation, a deserved reputation, for being a wild guy and for partying and gambling and staying out all night with his friends, um, that he walks the line for her, that he stays 
um, on the tried and true path because he wants to show her how much he loves her. And that reminded me very much when I was thinking about how to write this story, it reminded me of Sarah because Sarah has, I think often a deserved, an undeserved reputation of being this womanizer. Oh, and that's not undeserved. Do is. not even play. <laughs> Sarah is. is over every show that we see Sarah on. She is having sex with somebody, some woman or like seven throughout the entire thing. Listen, no judgment. Sarah Lance is an amazing character. No judgment. Get it. That's whatever. You know, but yeah, she's, she enjoys. Yes. She I, enjoys sex with there women. Is, there is no very argument much. In, in my mind that Sarah enjoys sex in general, yes. but I think for me, some of the focus on her propensity to have sex is also trying to undermine her as a female character. Oh, so you're saying that they're using her liking sex as a way to yes. say, oh, you're only just interested you're in sex. Oh, I totally yes. just bought into that, yes. didn't I? I totally <laughs> just like threw that out there and was just like, no, that's what no. she does not do that. She is not that. At all. Right. I mean, we see Sarah. I would fight to the death for Sarah Lance, like, just, we, just heads up. Like, I would. <laughs> we see her flirt with a lot of people, and yes, we do see that she enjoys sex. However, I do think that the reputation that she just sleeps with anybody that, that walks in is not founded. No, that's not, not founded. That's not fair. Um, and, but we also have to remember that Ava is well aware of who Sarah is and has known a great deal about Sarah before they ever met. So anything that you've seen on Arrow about Sarah, Ava already knows. Yeah, because that's, that's where Sarah was introduced was on Arrow. Yes, she's yeah. read her file. She tells us that on the, on their first date. So she knows everything there is to know about Sarah. She knows about Sarah's reputation. And I think one of Ava's insecurities is that she is not going to be enough to keep Sarah happy, content, quote-unquote, home. And you see that in the episode where she's in purgatory. Yeah. Yes. And so... You know, for me, I walk the line is from Sarah's perspective. The, you know, I love this woman and I want to do whatever I can to reassure her that she's who I want to be with. That it's not about I'm just with you for the time period. It's the no, I, I am with you. You're it for me. Um, and because of that, I walk the line. I do understand that as a, an individual who had that thrown at me a whole lot in my life. Um, I do understand that. A great deal. Um, I, I also want to say it's not just if you've watched Arrow. If you've watched Legends up until um, Ava gets introduced in season three. Right? Oh, well, even in season three, there's the crack about the fact that she got the ID card from sleeping with one of the, <laughs> with the, the Bureau the agents. Agent. And just so you know, that is one of the stories that is working in the back of my head about Ava finding out that, you know, Sarah slept with one of her agents many years before they met, but it still drives Ava nuts. It's not that. many years before they well, met. It's the day before, before they, they met. Before they were in a relationship. Ah, got you. Um, yeah, so there are these, one of the things I love about Legends is the the representation, mm. right? The, the LGBT representation on Legends is just absolutely phenomenal. Um, but in seasons one and two and three, um, you have Sarah as they're going through time, right? They're they're flying through time um, and fixing what they call anachronisms, which are kind of like things that have happened that should not have happened in time. And so it has thrown the course of history off, right? And so they have to go back and they've got to fix that and to fix history. Um, and you see Sarah very much 
you know, you know, with the Queen of England, Queen of England, Queen of France, um, with a nurse in like the 1950s, which was which was the 50s, um, which is a beautiful episode Very because nice. um, the woman, obviously, historically in the 1950s, coming out as a lesbian was not something that was ever going to be done in public for many, many horrific reasons. Um, but this nurse was a lesbian, and she could not bring herself to admit it. And Sarah helped her do that. And and I think one of the best lines is the woman is trying to tell her, you know, she's, she's trying to tell someone for the very first time, it feels like, and she can't get the words out. And Sarah just says a lesbian. And she's like, it's not a bad word. Right. And that, it, that's one of the things about legends that is just so amazing is that they're just like, yeah, sexuality is sexuality. And what do you, don't be ashamed. It's okay. You know, it's, it's, it's normal. It's something that is just a part of who you are, which of course it is. And, and you just kind of move on because, Hey, there's this bat demon flying down the hallway. <laughs> that's going to get right. I mean, right. you know, they, they inject the, the beautiful, very poignant moments with humor. And that is something yes. they do phenomenally well. But yeah, Sarah Lance, um, not just on Arrow, but le- you know, the, the seasons of legends leading up to where Ava is introduced because Ava is part of the Time Bureau, which was specifically created to, to fix all the fix stuff that Sarah fucks up. All the shit that the legends mess up. Right. And and so she knows everything about Sarah. Um and that's very interesting. That's that's really cool. That thank you for the explanation for that. Cause I've I've kind of always wondered about the explanation for that that title. That's really good. Um, what about, so what about Avalanche? What, what is it about them? Are you saying that draws me to them? Yep. Well, I, I kind of want to go back to a point you just made and then talk about Avalanche. No, not allowed. <laughs> okay, <laughs> go ahead. It's your show. No, it's fine. It's totally fine. It's okay. totally fine. Um, part of what I appreciate about representation in general on Legends is that they have made it an intrinsic part of their show and that the people who portray those LGBTQ um, characters care a great deal about making sure that the representation is positive. So even though you have this crazy show and there's insane things happening, the people who are portraying these characters know that how they portray and Avalanche is a good example. You know, the two women who play Sarah and Ava repeatedly at conventions have talked about that it is important to them to make sure that relationship between a bisexual woman and a lesbian woman is realistic, is positive, and breaks all these very harmful stereotypes. And so they've talked about having conversations with each other to make sure that they like the direction um, particular scenes are going in. They talk about that both of them have spoken to the writers about things they did like or didn't like in terms of the representation of those characters. Oh, yeah. They actually stopped the writers from breaking them up again. Yes, they, they have said, um, both of them have said that they went to the writers and said, you can do whatever you want to do, but you cannot keep breaking them up because it highlights such a negative stereotype about um, lesbian relationships and that that they did not want them to keep doing that. And the writers made that promise and have kept that promise. They have said if there are going to be issues in that relationship, 
they're going to be outside. They're going to come from outside the relationship, not from within. And, you know, I think that that's just such an incredibly positive message to viewers of all ages, that the main relationship in this show is a positive, healthy relationship. Between um, two women. Yes. And, and I appreciate that. They, you know, there's drama, just like there's in every, every television show. Wait, what? Gasp. Um, what? I know. <laughs> I know. But at the end of the day, it's clear that these two people love each other. Right. And, you know, I think that that matters. It mattered to me. It's part of the reason I started watching this show. Um, you know, obviously the other part was Sarah Lance, you know, working out an arrow and some other things. But, <laughs> you know, just to be full disclosure. Okay, um, cool. Well, all right. Hey, full disclosure. Great. Um, but That's, you listen, know, Sam I, and Ladders, yeah. What are hey. you going to do? Um, why have they not brought that to Legends? I don't know. Legends no. writer, listen, if this ever gets to anybody who knows a Legends writer or knows a person who knows a Legends writer or who just like has a convention moment with with uh, Jess McAllen or Katie Lotz, can you please just bring up that we would like the Salmon Ladder? And I would just like to say, not only for Katie, I, you bring that shit for Jess because okay. let's stop with She's the... She's got some arms. She, Ava is, and I'm sorry, I know I'm totally derailing, it's but it, Ava is an amazing character and she was such a badass at the beginning. And now one of the things that I don't like is, and I kind of hope that season six rectifies this, but we're going to swing around to that. Um, she's gotten very emotionally soft and that's not a bad thing. Do not hear me saying that that's a bad thing because I love me some soft Ava, <laughs> but They've forgotten they have forgotten the, the little bit of the badass and, and I want that back. And so that's kind of something I'm hoping that we see in season six. But anyway, sorry, please continue with the very important topic. <laughs> um, I So that representation um, is just is important to me um, as a woman who is married to a woman, as someone who struggled with their identity growing up in a, in a time period when we didn't have shows like this. Right. And so, you know, I am relieved and also excited that you have a show who the writers and the actors clearly care about making these representations positive. Right. And that matters. It does matter. Um, and, you know, seeing relationships on screen that are very... I don't want to say they're similar to my own relationship, but there, there are aspects of those relationships that I know your with, wife, and. With, with which I identify. Um, you know, I, I, I think, I think that matters. It does um, matter. And so I'm drawn to Avalanche. Ironically, the the way I started watching Legends was one of my wife's best friends just kept saying, you know, you need to watch the show. You need to watch the show. It has such a positive lesbian relationship um i shouldn't say lesbian relationship has a positive woman with a woman relationship because sarah is clearly um canonically bisexual um and that's very important for them to to make that a point right and it's important for me to acknowledge that um so he just kept pushing and he was like i really think you would like this i really think you would like this and so, you know, the advantages of Netflix is that you can just sit down and binge watch. <laughs> and and so I did. I binge watched the first, um, I think, three and a half seasons and then went back to my wife. And I was like, hi, I think you probably would like to watch this show, too. Um, and it, it took a little bit of convincing, but eventually, <laughs> eventually we got there. So because these and, characters. And you you actually convinced me to watch it. 
years, I think it was years into it, you were just like... Yeah, no, years into it. I was like, no, you need to go back and watch this. You need to sit down and watch the show, damn it. Stop watching other shows and watch <laughs> the show. And so finally, I know for me, finally, I was just like, oh my God, okay, I will watch it. Actually, I didn't even do that. I went back to Arrow mm-hmm. because I think you told me start in Arrow. You have to, because to get to know To get to Sarah know Sarah Lance. Lance because, because I am an individual who I like to know a character... I got to have that background on that character, right? Um, which is, I'm going to write this down, okay. but that's something that we're going to swing back around to. Um, I got to know, I got to be invested in that character. Mm-hmm. Plus also, Katie Lotz is just a very attractive individual. And and so I know you were just like, um, you you need to go and watch Arrow. And, and so you were like, don't go and watch the entire show, dear God, because you will hate it. Because just <laughs> listen, you guys, I... I'm in total agreement with Ava Sharp on this. I hate <laughs> Oliver Queen. I hate, I, it's man pain. I cannot stand it. I just, I, no, no. So I went through and had to suffer. Oh, Jesus, good Lord. I had to suffer through Sarah and Oliver's relationship, right? Because that is a part of her it's story. A it's a, it's a very story. important part of her story. Um, and so I had to suffer through that. And it's not that she was with a guy. It was that she was with that guy. That guy is like whiny. It's rich boy, white man pain is what it is at times. Oh my God. Like I can't, uh, I can't even, he gets no, (laughs) he gets no airtime. No. Um, So I went through on, on YouTube and I watched all of the Sarah Lance story arc. And by the time I was done doing that, I was just like, bring on this fucking show that's got her as the main character because hell yes. And just, what's ironic to me is that they didn't under the writers, the original writers didn't understand that Sarah Lance was going to be their main character. Um, I know a lot of Legends fans. Which is crazy. Know, they, they recently, you know, saw her conversation ironically with the man who plays Oliver Queen. Um on his podcast, and she was talking about Why don't you give me that fact. look? You think he's going to listen to this and be, like, <laughs> mad about it? I guarantee you he's not. Uh, you know, she Now watch, I'll get some email, like, randomly. <laughs> that's just, like, hurts your podcast. <laughs> Katie Lotz talks about what Bring it, it was man. like that first <laughs> season to be... She and the woman who played Hot Girl were literally... Hawk Girl. The last... It sounded like you said Hot Girl. No, Hawk. And And I was just like, okay, Legends would go there, but Hawk... Girl. Okay, yes. Go. So those two women were at the very bottom of the cast list. And if you think about the fact that Katie Lotz had just gone through all this stuff at Arrow, they had killed her off and then made her act like at a convention, not just any convention, at Comic-Con, that she was going to be, you know, one of the main stars on the next season, but they had already killed her off. And she couldn't tell anybody And that. fans didn't know. Right. So for her yeah. to go from that to she starts this God, new how show. How shitty is that? It was really shitty. God to start this new show and then she and the only other female cast member are literally at the bottom of the cast list. It was just, it, it was messed up in all kinds of ways. And it's interesting to me the way that Katie Lotz describes that in terms of her agent telling her, you can't complain about it because you don't want to be one of those women. Oh my God. Yeah. So That's an entirely that's other totally hour yes. of discussion. But basically she decided then and there, okay, I'm basically going to, out act everybody on this show. And so in the first season, 
number one, the first, direction of the first season is a little, it's much darker. Which I still haven't watched, by the way, yeah. because you told me I said, uh, you years can, ago, you were like, don't watch the first season. I was like, <laughs> you can get away with skipping the first season. I mean, there were lots of things about the first season I do like. Um, but I also think that the writing and the shape and direction of the show gets much better in the second season once they figured out kind of who they were. And even they have said that, the producers and the the writers have said that once they kind of figured out, okay, wait a minute, this is not Rip Hunter's show. Rip Hunter is not going to be the main character. He can't be. Um, this has to be a show about Sarah Lance as the captain. It was very much an outlaw Doctor Who kind of with Rip Hunter. Which is ironic given where Arthur Dogwell came from, which was Doctor Who. Um, oh, the actor who played Rip yes, came from Doctor Who. Yes. Look at that. That's so I, it's like I need one of those Alice Piazeki charts <laughs> up on the wall just so we can like draw. I, I think once they wrote themselves out of that space and realized, oh, you have this character that clearly is the heartbeat of the show. And that's who we need to make this show about. One of the characters even says that she yes. is the soul. Yeah. Martin yeah. Stein says that. Um, and so it made Legends a much better show. And because you're so invested in Sarah becoming this person, right? Becoming this very different person from the assassin that she believes herself to be. The only thing she believes about herself is... It's like she know, is an all, assassin. Uh, right. She is with the League of Assassins. <laughs> but all, the, all she thinks about herself is the amount of blood she has on her. Right. And it's this, this darkness and pain and doubt. And seeing her transform into this amazing captain is just... Very compelling television, but she she does kind of lack in the having a partner who is her equal. And to me, that's the, really the way they have written it. Um, Up until Ava, Ava came along. Yeah, yeah, Ava is about the only person who can stand with her toe-to-toe as her equal. And and that's part of why I was drawn to Avalanche. I realize that's a very long answer and conversation about why I was drawn to them, <laughs> but that's why. That is uh, is a, a wonderful answer, and I, I love long conversations yeah. you know um and i wrote down one word here and uh anybody who watches the show is going to know why i wrote this word down and this was when uh we were talking about i need to know the background of a character in order to get to love that character and enjoy that character um and the word i wrote down is actually a name of a character and that is zari mm. um zari came on the scene in season three was it three or four I believe Zari comes on the scene in season four. Okay. And no three. It's season three. We get this character um who you don't know anything about, right? She is she is ridiculously standoffish. Oh right, it's season three because the moments with Ava and Sarah. Um she's ridiculously standoffish, as she has every reason to be, to be. Um wonderful, amazing actress, uh Tala Ash. And she she comes on and her story is she is trying to save her brother. She's like grown up in this dystopian society. Right. Because there's all these different versions of like the multiverse. Right. And reality and such. Um, and she's grown up on Earth in like 2040 something or 2140 something. Um, and they are hunting down anyone who has... Um, anyone who's a metahuman or anyone who has special abilities. Right. I was going to say anyone who's different, but not anyone who has abilities. So it's very much kind of like the X-Men tie-in kind of thing. And she controls uh, one of these six totems. She controls the the air totem. Mm -hmm. And they killed her brother. 
who I think was the original bearer of the totem. And she is just hard and angry. And as she has, again, every reason to be, they break her out, they get her onto the ship and they're like, Hey, you're a legend now. And she's just like, fuck you guys. <laughs> like, yeah, I have no use for you other than, Oh, you can maybe help me save my brother because you're a time ship. That's right. It. And yeah. that's it. And so you get this character and, and she's literally just thrown onto the show and, and you're just sitting there going, wait, why do I care about this character? I mean, she has a compelling backstory, but we don't know it, right? We don't, we know what they have told us and that's pretty much it. Um, And then they do this episode that is probably one of the most brilliant pieces of television writing that I have ever seen Um, in, in inserting and making a character truly feel like they have been on a show for years, because that's what ended up happening. Now, it could have been a big swing and a miss, right? Um, but it was not. It was a huge success. And it I can't remember. It was a Groundhog Day episode. I can't remember the name of it. Um, but Zari ends up reliving the same hour. No, the same day. No, it's the same hour. It's over the same hour. Over, again. over and over and over and over and over, like thousands of times. And the ship keeps getting destroyed every single time. So she's trying to figure out what is going on. But in the meantime, when she gets bored with doing all of these things that keep resulting in the same end end result, um, she goes off and she's like, well, maybe I need to find something to fix in someone else. And so she gets to share all of these behind the scenes moments, the in between moments on the show, um, in episodes that we have seen already, basically. And she gets to show the audience the behind the scenes moments with those characters. So like you have Mick, who I love, who is just like this arsonist criminal, but he also writes romance novels. And and she has to go through a great deal of trouble to, I mean, like he, he has things booby trapped in his room. I mean, it clearly takes multiple hours for her to figure it out. And then she reads his story and she's like, what the hell makes a very good writer. Right. So she has, she's gaining knowledge about each of them that she had not yet had and having experiences with them that are outside of the legends missions. And so she really, in that episode, not only learns who more about who she is, right? She becomes um, more aware of her strengths and weaknesses within the team, but she also gets to know a lot about the people whose lives she's been sharing that she's just been too angry and too cut off to see. Right. While also showing us more about these people and these wonderful moments, which I think was very smart on the writer's part, because not only does it integrate Zari more into the team and open her up, but it also because she is the face of those moments with the characters that we love, we automatically associate that kind of feeling with her as well. Yes. Um, and there's that beautiful moment. I th- and one of the reasons I love Zari 1.0 so much, because there is a Zari 2.0. And I love Zari 2.0, but she is just not Zari 1.0. We're not going to that. Yeah, it's a whole nother... <laughs> we're not. <laughs> no, we're not getting into that. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a whole other podcast. It's fine. Um, one of the reasons I love Zari is Zari takes no shit. Zari no. will call you on your shit. Including in, Sarah. It, I mean, especially Sarah. In a heartbeat, she will call you on your shit. And she actually is, she sees a moment that we don't get to see between Sarah and Ava. Yes. And it's it's the moment that Sarah has like hidden in the jump ship and they're like talking and um, they're kind of flirting. And Sarah pulls back really quickly and shuts Ava down. And 
I think little miniature Azari, who's with Ray at this point, and he he can mini. It's a whole thing, guys. Um, she's just standing over there, like, what the hell is going on, right? So, um, yeah, Azari, Azari's fantastic. So just and also, there's a huge following of um, Zari and Charlie fans. Yes, or um, Zari and Amaya and Amaya even. Um, I miss Amaya. I'm just gonna say it. I miss Amaya. We're not gonna get into a whole nother conversation about Amaya, but I miss Amaya. I miss Charlie too. I mean, I, it's not it's not really gonna be the same without the shape shifting pansexual. Again, spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen, you know, <laughs> season five. I didn't say anything. Well, I did kind of. I said I miss. Sorry. Um, what you guys know, I talk about all kinds of stuff. Whatever, it's fine. Uh, all right. Do you have any head cadence about Avalanche that that you don't kind of? You know, the advantage I have, and I think all writers have, um, is that when, when you have those headcanon thoughts, you can kind of explore them. You know, you have the advantage of being able to say, here's what I think happened or here's what should have happened. Um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, one of the advantages you have if you're an Avalanche fan is that there is so much about their relationship that we don't see. You know, we don't see the first time that Ava tells Sarah that she loves her. We, we don't see that. Um, we we don't, do see Sarah's, but yeah, we, we do don't see Sarah's, we don't see, we don't see yeah. Ava's. Um, we don't see how they managed after they had broken up after the death totem. We don't see the whole conversation of them getting back together. Between seasons three and four, there's clearly months that have taken place. And they even reference it's been at least five months. Um, you know, we don't see those conversations that very much change the level of intimacy and the level of their relationship between the end of season three and the beginning of season four. Um, you know, and so those headcanons are really, for me, about trying to fill in those blanks. And, and that's true for, you know, every single person on Legends, all of the relationships, the friendships, you get hints of them, but you don't, they're not fully fleshed out just simply because they don't have time. Right. Um, and but they do cut a lot of avalanche scenes. Oh, they do. I mean, and then add them into like the extra scenes yes. and deleted and, scenes. And we talked, you know, you and I talked about that, you know, when when um, my wife and I got the the most recent season, season five on Blu-ray, that one of the first things we wanted to do was watch the extra, the cut scenes. Um, because everybody was talking about this amazing conversation that Ava and Sarah have oh that was God. cut out. Of yeah, the that scene. Yes, and, I know, know what scene you're talking the about. The producers of Legends talked about the fact that, you know, they had an extra 42 to 45 minutes that they had filmed of that finale that just was not going to make it on television. Yeah. So it was basically another whole episode. Yeah. Um, and and you can tell that during, yeah, with some of the cuts, that you like, can what? tell that, yeah. Um, but... You know, there's an amazing conversation that actually kind of helps wrap up the craziness of season five. And what's interesting to me is that they kept those conversations between other couples and other friendships and even Mick and his daughter, Lita. You get to see those wrap up the season conversations, but they cut the one between Sarah and Ava. And it's really frustrating as a fan to say, okay, no, that was the most important of those season-wrapping conversations. Especially given what happens at the yes. end of the season. Especially yes. given what happens. And I'm hoping, mm. you know, because, you know, thankfully one of the main producers and showrunners gives you the heads up about what um, the front, she, she tweets the front page of the scripts for 
the season as they're filming it. So one of the season six episodes is called Back to the Finale Part Two. So the hope is, I think from a lot of fans, that some of that that was cut, including that Ava and Sarah conversation, might be reused or used in season six. I mean, they six. should. That is a, and they really it should. It's a beautiful because scene. Because that yeah. conversation is truly... It... it is soft Ava, but not soft Ava in a way that there's no edge there. It's both of them kind of acknowledging that they have been through some shit in season five, both separately Mm -hmm. and together. Um, And that they've kind of ended up on the other side of that, they think. Um, But that the most important thing is that they're still together, that, you know, Ava is still there while Sarah is sorting out everything that happened with Oliver's death and in the huge crossover and that they still want to be with the other one at the end of the day. And that's just such an important scene. Um, and you go from the Sarah telling Ava that she loves her in season three and Ava basically running away because she says there's nothing of me to love. There's no right. me to love. Because that's, you know, sorry, I just hit the microphone. That is, that is because of what they just found out. Right. I, this talking in code shit is very difficult. <laughs> Listen, I'm already going to put spoilers on. So they just found out that she's a clone, right? right? And, and so, so she's just like, there is no me. I don't know. Ava's like, I yeah. don't really exist. So you go from the first time Sarah tells her that to Ava's response of, I'm a clone, I'm not real, to, you know, in that scene that they cut, Sarah saying, I love you, and Ava saying, I love you more. And yeah. it's just, it. it's, that scene is so much their relationship of Sarah saying, you know, feeling bad, having doubts, but then also making sure she's reassuring Ava that she's in this for the long haul and that she loves her. And Ava just basically being supportive and loving and saying, you know, I love everything about our lives. I love you. I'm exactly where I want to be. And it's just an amazing scene. And so, yeah, we were really sad that they, they cut that. I was, I I was sad about are. that too. Yeah. I think a lot of fans are, are very upset about that. I hope they use it. I really do hope they go back and use that. They should, especially since that's the scene where Sarah's like, and my dad came back. Oh, by the way, this dude who plays my dad was back in Arrow in the crossover. So, I mean, that's a pretty darn big deal that the character's father has been, I don't know, not reborn, but saved. Oliver saved Right, which is like a, I can't, we, I can't even go into this. Like this, The crossover infinite crisis on crisis infinite on Earths. infinite Earths, yes. which I think they're going to springboard the DC movies. Yeah, using I think I think that is very interesting. Um, I cannot even like I can't I can't I can't wrap my head around it. I'm just multiverse. Okay, great, gotcha, hundred percent. Talk about it all day long, right? Um, I ugh, I just can't. There's there some one. things about the crossover, and you know, you and I have had that conversation off, off um, air. But basically, that there's some things about that crossover that are very hard to understand if you're not a fan of all of the. Sh- if you do not follow all of all the five shows, shows. It, there were some things that were really hard to understand. And what, are, what were they? There's Arrow, there's Flash, Batwoman, Supergirl, and Legends. Yes. And they tie those crossovers tie over uh, tie those shows all together. So there's an episode per show, yeah, it's essentially. A um, and if you have not been following every single show, you are lost for there, that there, that crossover. There's some things that you're just like, I don't, I don't get what's happening. And so, and the good thing about that is it's really smart on their part because it makes you want to go back and watch, let's say Supergirl, and figure out okay these last four episodes what happened i love supergirl you guys know that i love supergirl and i do the rewatch of supergirl all the time which will be coming up tonight um at at eight o'clock because we couldn't do it last night and my apologies um hopefully this will be up before before then but 
Yeah, I love I love me some Supergirl, but it is oh, it's hard. It's hard. I'm going to be skipping a couple of seasons. I'm not going to lie to you when he who shall not be named comes on the scene. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to be skipping. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe I'll just have some whiskey and get into it and <laughs> and, and be it. like, fuck that guy. Every two seconds. So I'm very sorry if you start seeing um, Tumblr posts. <laughs> just say that because, oh, my God. But yeah, so there's some moments with Supergirl that I think Supergirl writers are very problematic in their use of queer baiting. Um, yes. And I think with Supercat and Supercore, you know, just, just in the last two weeks um, with the GLAAD nominations. Twitter, what the fuck was that about? Was oh, my God. Like, okay, so you have clearly you have to choose one CW show. So instead of choosing the one CW show that, you know, has all this representation we've just talked about where, you know, there are Batwoman, right, for God's sake, there are multiple bisexuals, there are multiple pansexuals, there's someone who's trans, the main couple is, is two women together. Um, you know, instead of nominating that show, they nominate Supergirl, which was very puzzling to a lot of people. Now, don't get me wrong, Supergirl does have very positive portrayal of some of these characters, but yeah, Alex, also, Alex is, is phenomenal in, in her portrayal. Of they her. also have a history of very much minimizing those characters or minimizing the time those characters are on screen. Or uh, yes. And yeah. Alex kind of just disappeared yes. this whole season as yes. far as I am. I'm aware. So people were pretty stunned. They were like, glad. Hi. You know, we know that, Supergirl has some good elements to it, but it is not necessarily what one would consider a... Also, it dangles these clearly coded relationships. Like, listen, you guys have been following me uh, re-watching Supergirl. Supercat is 100% canon. It is 100% canon. I can go off into a... I probably should go off into a tangent about this, but I'm not going to in this because that would take a very long time. (laughs) But, um, yeah, it is the way that they set them up, the way that they talk about them, the way that other characters talk about them, their interactions, the little ways that they grow together. Like it is a hundred percent canon. And yet people who are fans of that get called delusional, which is a historic thing that is thrown at, at fans who see the subtext between two characters, because a long time ago, and Xena was one of the ones who kind of broke that mold, but still played in it. They played in it, but they still said, they still repeatedly what was on air said, Oh no, this is not a romantic Subtext is, is all we used to have in, in characters. We did not get, you and I grew up in a time where we did not get to see. We didn't get main text. Main text characters. You didn't get to see a main character be in love with another woman and they had have a relationship that did not happen so they dabbled in subtext so what would happen is they would code a character in a particular way that was shown as queer right um so the way that they dressed right they would play into stereotypes the way that they um, walked the way that they looked at someone a little too long those things where your audience members who were lgbt would actually pick up on it they would recognize they would recognize themselves in it and they would they would see this and they would say oh there i am right because we didn't actually get represented on television and one of the first shows that did that main text wise i think actually was buffy um with willow and tara yeah and then you had xena playing right alongside buffy same timeline um same time frame they yeah. weren't in the same world um same time frame and it, you know they played subtext very heavy up until i think the last season and even in the last season it was well nudge nudge wink wink you know i mean lucy lawless basically i remember i remember a an interview that she gave um after the show was over and it might have been on rosie o'donnell i can't remember 
Um, that's how long ago this was. Right? Rosie had her own daytime talk show. And um, she she said she was she was married and I think he's still married to Rob Tappert, who is. is who is the the guy who created the show. And she said, you know, I just looked at him and I was like, you outed me. <laughs> oh, you outed my character. You outed Xena. Um, and it very much did. It very much that last last episode, Friend in Need, very much was just like, levels. yeah, with Gabrielle, with Akimi, who we, uh, she, sorry, she who shall not be named. Um, we in the Xena world, that is a, that is a no, no name. Um, yeah, it was, it was bad. So, I, so when we say, when you have people, older, older individuals of the LGBTQ community, when we say this show is very good at queer baiting, uh, it, we know we have we've seen we've it. seen it we've lived it we we've seen that as our only representation and I'm just gonna go ahead and tell you right now Supercore you guys are a hundred percent correct oh there's all kinds of Supercat you guys are a hundred percent correct these things are canon and uh, whether the writers want to admit that or go down that route or not the interactions are just um, they recall too many of the the other coded interactions to not be intentional, even if they're again doing it as the the elbowing. And and part of me, I think that's why I appreciate so much that Legends makes very different choices. Yeah. Um, you know, one one of Jess McCallan's most iconic Twitter tweets um, when she first joined um, onto the show, onto Legends, was you know somebody commented to her that she even that her character even knew how to sit like a lesbian. Um, and her response was yes, because I did the research and you can imagine the responses to that tweet. Like, Oh yeah, exactly. I can imagine that. The research? We're going to need a little more information. But in, in, in the Twitterverse, she certainly did not respond further. Um, but it's <laughs> funny. You know, that's one of those things that fans can appreciate is, is the, it was important enough to you to, for someone who is thus far indicated, just McCallum's indicated that, you know, she's heterosexual, she's in a long-term relationship with Thick Bishop, um, you know, for her to have taken the time to make sure that the way her character was sitting and standing um, and just physically interacting with her space read very much like a... Was coded as a character. lesbian woman. Yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, she didn't have to do that. And I, and I think that that's why people have appreciated those two actresses and also those two characters so much because they do clearly care about what messages are they sending even if they're not saying a word you know when they're right. on the screen um yeah because gazes um body language oh, yeah. nonverbal behavior oh, all yeah. of that goes into a character you guys have all seen your favorite character look off after another woman and pine for her and you know she is pining for her Let's just <clears throat> cough, cough. We'll talk Emma and Regina, but right. <laughs> <laughs> cough, cough. Janeway and Seven, but um, yeah, that it is. A, it is a big thing that that nonverbal communication, yes. and so that is. And and to make that to say, okay, because I want this character to ring true, not because I just want to be a good actress, but because I want lesbians and bisexual women out there to see themselves in this character. And um, that can't, I mean, it can be accomplished, obviously, with dialogue, but it becomes truer, it brings truer if they're actually seeing themselves. Right, um, right. And 
Yeah, so that's it's just not just a just... very special lesbian episode of like Once Upon a Time, and we give you these two lesbian characters, and they're gone right. for the rest of the show. Right. It is it is seeing yourselves in in that, and I and I brought this back to to Once Upon a Time, which is uh, I can't even the writer of that and I have been in a very long feud, and, and whatever we're not getting into that, but we are wanting to do a panel discussion about um, Swan Queen on the show, and so it'll very much be structured like this. Um, obviously, you won't be sitting. In, in the same room, but With COVID um, restrictions. right, it'll be COVID restrictions, but it would very much be just like this kind of a conversation about Swan Queen. And, and so we're looking forward to getting that set up. And I know there are a couple of people who are signed on for that. We'd love to have more people. Actually, I kind of would love to open it up and talk about um, all kinds of relationships. So I would love to talk about Avalanche as well. Um, I would love to talk about J7 and Chloe or just anybody. I mean, I could sit down here and name all of them. So if anybody would love to be involved in that, um, we would love to have you. So please just drop me a message on Tumblr. You can send me an email to she squared podcast at outlook.com. Um, that would be fine too. Or, you know, just yeah, just respond, retweet, redo something on Tumblr. And, you know, I'm always on there. Someone, someone is always on there kind of taking a look at that. Um, okay. So we've talked about a lot of stuff, uh, but I want to know, do you have any predictions for season six? Um, <laughs> of I, legends, uh, obviously. Sorry. Right. Yeah. I, we talked about a lot of shows. You so know, I, I think it's very hard and, and I actually applaud the writers and the, the actors on that show um, because I think this is the first, one of the first seasons where there is a very limited amount of behind the scenes, pictures, videos, you know, so we know some of the They're actors. They're keeping things very hush hush. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, we know some of the actors that are joining we know kind of the name of the big bad, but as anyone knows in Legends, the big bad in the first half of the season is almost never the big bad, like the long-term I have a prediction about who the, the big bad's going to yeah, be. Yeah, we talked about yeah. that. Um, so I guess for me, for season six, in terms of predictions, um, you know, I do think that because, and I don't think I have been concerned as much about the quote-unquote softening of Ava and Sarah, Um I think anytime you go from being alone and living a very hard, um, challenging life to joining your life with somebody else, um, naturally that softens some of your hardest edges. That's right. part of the advantage of being in love is that right. you have somebody yeah. who sees you and loves you um, often in spite of those faults. Um, so I don't, I don't mind the softening so much, but I do think we have been robbed of, you know, seeing Ava do a lot of combat and seeing Sarah do a lot of combat. And I know that Katie Lotz has expressed that um, she was missing fight scenes. So I do know that it's supposed to be a little bit more combat heavy. Um, I think for predictions, um, you know, I, I think it's going to be a very, mm, I don't want to say darker. Um, I don't think they're going to go too dark because it's legends and, you know, they've learned from their first season. You can't but go it, dark on I, I do think that it's going to be a, a, a angst field, uh, angst may be the, the word, um, very challenging, very angst filled season um, because I don't, they keep emphasizing that it's going to be a while before the legends are able to track down Sarah. And, and I think, yeah, it's not going to be episode two and Sarah's right. back. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, they've because she was she was abducted by aliens right. at the end of season right. five, right? Which is why they should have kept that damn conversation between yes. her and Ava Which in there. That they could reuse, but you know, I think for me, predictions. I I think it will allow a lot of character growth 
um, on both Era and Ava and Sarah's part. Um, and, and I will be interested to see how they're planning on using the new legend that they're bringing in. Um, you know, it always hurts a little to lose actors and characters that you have yeah. have grown to love. Um, you know, I miss Ray and Nora on the, the new episodes, oh, I think. Me too. I hope they come in this season. I, I really do. It would be nice. I mean, hey, if you're looking for space aliens, having an incredible scientist and, you know, a, a fairy godmother, which would yeah. be yeah, very fair. <laughs> no, yeah. um, that, that would be handy. That's legends um, <laughs> in a nutshell, right? <laughs> but, you know, for me, I, I think at the end of the day, you cannot leave legends fans hanging for too long. So if I have predictions, it's it's going to be hard. It's going to be dark. It's going to be challenging. Um, but at the end of the day, it's going to be legends. And so, you know, good always finds a way to win. They The chainsaw always ends up working, no matter how messy it is. Um, and I think they'll figure it out. But I think you mean taking a chainsaw to a situation yes. instead of a scalpel. Got yes. you. OK. Um, but I think. At the end of the day, they'll figure it out. Now, it may be in episode 14 and a half, um, but... That's interesting. So you gave a prediction that wasn't actually prediction. That was a very... You were very writery right there. You were just like very <laughs> I, legends writer. Like, here's what I can tell you, but ooh, maybe I don't mean that at all. No, like, it's, it's, not, it's not trying to be that. I think it's just that, you know, my predictions have kind of been all over the place since that last episode. Give aired. me one. Um... You know, one of the things that I talked about with my wife is what would it be like if Sarah lost her memory or lost part of her memory and only went back to, you know, when she's just come back to life. Um, from from Arrow. Yes. When they put her in the Lazarus yes, pit. Yes, she's just yeah. come out of the Lazarus pit. You know, what would that look like if Sarah had no recollection of who Ava was, no recollection of who the legends were? Mm, um, mm-hmm. You know, what would that version of Sarah is... That would be damn cool, yeah, is what that would be. it's very badass, but also very cold and unfeeling. And, you know, how would she respond to this woman who is saying, no, we've been in this long-term relationship? And I don't think that would go well. Right. Um, but then I was like, okay, but it's still Legends. So, you know, you're not going to see major, horrible, horrific things happen um, that we might think would happen in real life. And, yeah, and they've promised that this is going to be a really good season for Avalanche, right? Like they yes. promised well, that Avalanche I fans were going to be very happy. Con or one of the other cons, um, both Katie Lotz and Jess McCallan said this, this was supposed to be a good Avalanche season. But then again, the writers and the showrunners have warned it won't be that way for a while. So, I, you know, I think my prediction is that Sarah is not going to be the Sarah that we have come to know and love for the whole season. I agree with she you. Might I, get there, I, but I, don't I, think I she's agree with start you. I, my prediction is that Sarah's going to be the big bad. Sarah's the big bad in the first half of the season. That is my prediction. Because she, she be was she was taken for a reason. Oh yeah, right. They, they, they all said that. So she 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 said. withstood um, the gaze of a god, and it did not kill her. It gave her a, a, a really cool ability, yeah. kind of a superpower for but a while there. Not necessarily so good ability if you can see yourself be eaten by zombies. That's so true. Yeah, the zombie episode, guys. Legends did a zombie episode, it's guys. One of the best for episodes God's sake! Oh my god, and it was show. heartfelt. It was so good. Um, yeah. So I think I think. I think Sarah's going to be the big bad for the she first half of the season. She would be a good one because, I mean, how are you, I mean, the, the whole, it's not a running joke, but it is certainly a running theme that, you know, like when Sarah ends up putting on the death totem and she's bad Sarah for an episode, um, she kicks all of the legends' asses, like just. Easily. Just kicks their Handily. asses. But doesn't kill them. Death. 
But that doesn't kill them. We've talked about that. You know, it's one of those things of because that's who Sarah is. Like that. You have the, yeah, you have the, yeah. But if, what would happen if she was completely taken over? Right. She wouldn't pull her punches. She wouldn't be doing any of that, which I just have to say to you. And I was actually thinking about this before, before we, we began to do this. Um, you said Mollus. Yes. Which. Or Malice to anyone. Well, and it, so they've called this character Mollus. It's like this time demon, which is, uh, it like takes too long to explain. So this time demon, right, that is like this big, big bad for, I think, two seasons that they're fighting. They're trying to figure out how to defeat. Um, and there's just the whole show revolves around it. All of season three, yeah. Um, and so they're like, Mollus, uh, Mollus, Mollus, this demon Mollus, this demon Mollus, like over and over and over again. And so then the demon shows up and they call him Mollus. And he's like, my name is Malice, right? Like, because Malice, which makes so much sense. And one of the things I love about the legends is that, number one, the demon got mad that they got his name wrong. Right. But number two, then in the midst of this moment, like the characters were like, Oh, that makes so much Malice. more sense. Malice. Yeah, that makes more sense. Like, and then continue to fight. Like, that is one of the things that I love about Legends is that it they have these moments of levity packed into these very heavy, like, scary moments yeah. that other superhero shows do not have, right? You won't have, I, I think I said this before in a, um, a rewatch of Supergirl, you won't have a... A monster jump down off of the side, running from the on the side of a building, and unhinge its jaws. Which on a show like Supergirl, you're just like, oh crap, man, that's scary, right? But on Legends, you would at least have one Legend start screaming and run away, like while the rest of them were cracking jokes about the, the monster needing to go to the dentist, right? I mean, I mean it's be... it is just the every woman of, of superhero shows. I really do think yeah. so. It is it is phenomenal. Um, well, okay, so we have talked for over an hour, and thank you so much. Um, of course. But you know that I'm a, a nerd that loves to sit and talk about Avalanche, and, you know, I will just say to those of you who, you know, see my work on AO3 and comment, it, comment on it or like it, you know, I'm not sure you all know how much that means to fan fiction writers, that, you know, when somebody is commenting on your work or they're telling you that they really appreciate it, um, you know, that that matters. It matters a lot, and... You know, I, I appreciate those of you who have have been my fans on there, who have interacted with my work. Um, my my to my great sadness, I have not posted in a little while. I think my last story was posted in June of 2020. Um, it's just been hard, I think, for a lot of I mean, well, yeah, I creative. Think it types. has been. Absolutely. Um, we are so honored and thankful for people who write. And yes. wrote during the pandemic yes. and are continuing to write during the pandemic. But it's okay. I mean, it's, I mean, we understand. And I just, it's one of those things of I have continued to read. So I, if you're posting on AO3 and Avalanche or even in other fandoms, just know that there are a lot of us who, you know, go to sleep reading those stories or who read those stories in moments where it's really challenging in the real world and we just need to be able to laugh Um you know, so I appreciate those of you who have kept writing and kept posting in the middle of the pandemic. I'm totally um, going to put you on the spot and ask, did you leave a comment for those writers telling them that? I did. Okay, good. Yes, Thank you. I, she I, practiced I, what she preaches, guys. I, I try very hard to leave, and my comments are, are short and sweet, um, but I try to leave comments. I always leave kudos um, just because I want people to know they're not alone and that their their work and their time that they're putting into their, their writing matters. Um, but I am also 
just because I haven't posted doesn't mean I'm not writing and it doesn't mean that I'm not thinking. Um, and often my problem is that I have four fan fictions going at the same time. Oh yeah. That's an, that's <laughs> an author problem. Yes. Absolutely. Um, so right now I'm actually working on two simultaneously. So we'll, we'll hope that at least one of those will can make we get it. A, can we get a little tease of what one of them may be about? Oh yeah. One of them. Oh um, my God, it worked. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> one of them is about a, a conversation between Zari 1.0 and Sarah, um, which is intentionally calling back to that episode that uh, Natasha mentioned earlier about Zari after the whole Groundhog Day episode, telling Sarah, no, look, you need to pursue this relationship. You need to ask Ava, Ava out, yeah. you know, that, that love matters. Um, and so the story that I'm writing currently is another conversation that they have, but it's um, years later and is actually set in this past season as Zari 1.0 is about to depart, about to return to the totem. And so it's a, a very heartfelt conversation because they both know that this is likely goodbye for quite some time we miss um, you zari 1.0 yes um but it's also zari so it's not <laughs> it doesn't stay in the sad hard for very long. oh it can't um, right so she zari doesn't allow that to happen giving giving sarah some hell about some things that um many fans have commented on and noticed in the, in the episodes and that's that's all i'll say that zari is basically giving giving sarah hell for some things wow. um and then the other one, I'll save both of them. Oh, great. Well, I can't wait to read that one. I'm just going to throw that out there just okay. because that is, I, you know, I love Zari. Yes. I adore Zari 1.0, and um, I think a lot of us do. Yeah. And that's not to take away from Zari 2.0. She's just a completely different character that we haven't got that heartfelt punch yet with, I don't Which think. Which I think will probably happen this season. I hope so. But just but because Tala Ash is too good of an actress. She really, I mean, God, she's, she's going to make the 2.0 eventually. She's phenomenal. Um, but the, the other one is, is set in an alternative universe. Okay. Um, and Ava is a political character who is having some issues and she needs some security. Oh, um, and so it's, love it already. You know, I, I know that there was a conversation on Twitter, I think like six months ago, between people talking about, you know, politicians and Sarah needs to be a bodyguard. And so I think there are several writers who, after that Twitter conversation, are just like, well, I'm going to put my own spin on that. So one of the, the stories with one of the writers that was in that um, Twitter conversation is actually ongoing right now on AO3, where um, Ava is becoming, um, is running for president. Oh, okay. And so her Secret Service agent is is Sarah Lance. So oh. go, go look at that one. That's on AO3 right now, but um, mine is not going to be like that. It's a different take on that dynamic. Um, but it's, it's wonderful thing about fan fiction. Yeah. It's, it's set in a, in a very different world from that one. Um, but we'll, we'll see. I think there's already um, episode because it's shorter. There's already story will probably come out first um, because the, the other one is um, multi-chapter at this moment. So it'll, It'll keep going and keep playing around in my head until it. And you do finish multi-chapter. I do. That is something I, you know, I am, I love to write a one shot. I am like the queen of the one shot, right? Like I, I absolutely love to do that. Um, I have so many multi-chapter stories in my head, just like every other author um, that just live on my phone and continue to get things added to it. And then it just never <laughs> gets written. So, well, you know, I, I do want to say, and obviously I'm not going to put you on the spot too much, but I do want to say that, you know, we've talked a lot about, um, television 
relationships. Um, but I especially appreciate some of the thoughts you have and some of the writings that you have done um, about Mass Effect. Oh yeah, about, Shiara, yeah, Shepard, and, and, and Liara, and and so I just, they're my heart. I just, just I'm so we all know. Spot, but I just want to say, you know, I I hope that you finish some of those story ideas that you have had because they are brilliant, and you know, oh. I, I want to read them. Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate that. Um, I'm trying, you know, I mean. I I have got so much, just like all of us, all of us, all of us have so much going on in our lives, yeah, right? Which is I why mean, fiction is like a perfect escape for right. And, but and I think sometimes, unfortunately, that it can be seen. It can get you can get like like me. You can have like seven hundred notes on your phone, <laughs> and it just seems so overwhelming. Yeah. And so, I think my the key for me to get that story finished, I think, is to transfer all of those notes specifically about that story to my computer and just kind of kind of go from there, I think would probably be oops, sorry about that would probably be the. Um, and the if thing I'm not mistaken, do. at least one of those notes also has an, an Ava and Sarah story in it. So there are multiple Ava and Sarah stories in my notes. Don't look through my what, are you going through my phone? No, like when you just you it is upstairs them. right now. Like what <laughs> you you've just mentioned them in passing, so I know they're there. <laughs> Uh-oh. Um all right, so here here's my last question for you. And we've kind of talked about it a little bit um like this, but what do you think? Why do you think fan fiction is so important as a medium? Mm. Well, just to... Um, I kind of ask that dis- of every, of every no, that's author. Just- that's, that's totally fine. Full disclosure, um, in my real life, in my real job, I am an English professor. And... You know, dun, there, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> there has been a lot of debate. Um, I think maybe in the, in the pandemic, all of my timelines run together. But I know, in the, I think it's in the last two months... Um, a writer kind of came on Twitter and did this big long rant about how fan fiction is. Oh my God! Yes, yeah, yeah. Is, that is, is that bad is for writers. Spurred it's bad a lot of talk. Um, and what a shitty thing to do, true, by the way, yeah. and completely untrue. It was it was untrue, and and from someone who has you know ninety percent of her body standing in the academic world, it was. It was amusing to me, but also um, enraging to see how many academics were kind of like looking down their noses in those conversations about, you know, fan fiction writers and fan fiction readers. But I was also extremely excited because there were a lot of academics that I respect so much who came out swinging in defense of fan fiction and in defense of fan fiction readers. Um, Because so much time, effort and energy goes into writing a fanfic it is not just i mean all of us who write know you don't just sit down and just throw something on the screen you know this is this is the very depths of your soul sometimes coming right. out onto paper and yes you may be using two characters from fill in the blank you know from another show from a movie from a book from a video game you're you're using those characters they're inspiring you but it's you on that page. And so to me, one of the things I appreciate about fan fiction is that, you know, we have the quote unquote official writer's versions of whatever those characters did, thought, lived, experienced. But there are all those spaces in the in-between. And fan fiction lets us use our imagination to fill those in and to then share what we imagine in the in-between 
with other fans of those shows or other fans of those characters. And to me, that's just beautiful. It's, it's almost like an interweaving of here's the official canon version. And then here are these moments that help the canon, that enrich the canon. They're not the canon. They're not what quote unquote really happened on the show. But in many ways, they make the show better. They make the show richer and deeper. Um, you know, in the Avalanche universe, there there are a handful of stories that almost everyone has read. That every fan fiction, you know. I think you're. Uh, it's just a cup of coffee. What gave me away? Maybe one of those. Oh well, I would I would take that as a, as a great um, honor if that was true. Um, you know, you just have these fundamental foundational stories that people read those and they're like, yes. That is who that is. That is what happened there. That is my understanding or that enhances my understanding. So, you know, for me, fan fiction is is an amazing, wonderful thing. And I say that as someone who studies literature for my livelihood, you know, who helps talk to students about sentence structure and paragraph structure. And and that's that's my day job. But then when I turn and I look at fan fiction writers so many of whom apologize for mechanical or grammar errors, or they say that English is not their first language. You know, none of that matters if your story is good. And so many of the ones that you read on Archive of Our Own are just, they're a piece of that person's soul. And you can tell that. You can tell how much they love these characters. Um, and you just, you don't get that in a lot of other mediums where someone who is not, you know, has 14 degrees or do, who does not have a huge publisher pedigree comes out and says, here, I present you my heart on a platter and you get to read that. You just, for that free. just doesn't happen. Yeah. For free. Yeah. Wow. There you go. I think that is the end all be all of, of what makes fan fiction so important. I think that is absolutely the case. I wait up. You're just wonderful. Way to go. <laughs> like I, you know, that is, uh, thank you so much for being here. Of and course. I know we were now hitting like an, an hour and almost a half and, um, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll get to have you come back and sure. maybe we'll read some more of your stuff. Yeah, uh, if that's anytime. cool. Yeah, that's fine. Um, I may eventually tackle that 14 chapter epic. It oh, takes, that a, would take a while. it takes a while to read these things. Y'all let me tell you, um, so it, you know, it there's is, a lot of other amazing writers and amazing Oh, there, we too, have so. we have amazing, I can, phenomenal fandoms and writers and people who have given us permission to read their stuff. And, and I wish that I could get to more more quickly. Um, so, again, hey, if you guys are listening to this and you want to be a reader for the show, um, please drop us a line. Drop us a line on Tumblr. Uh, send an email, uh, she squared podcast at outlook.com. That's, of course, on the Tumblr page. Um, so, yeah, just we'd love to have you be a reader for the show. We have um, in-house editor. We, you know, everything else will be taken care of. You would just be given the the title and, and the way to go. So um, we would love for that to happen. Maybe I can con you into reading for us. I can probably at, read. You know, I love reading. At, at, some, general, at so. some point. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this this whole podcast is is about uplifting fan fiction and fan fiction authors and giving them the, the just voice, right? That's what this is about. It's just giving voice to these 
these the written word that has already given more voice to these characters and showcasing these authors and showcasing their amazing work and putting it in a medium that it can be in engaged with in a different way right and so maybe you don't have time to sit down and read a 14 chapter epic but maybe as you're driving you can listen to it right um so that's one of the things that we're really trying to do here and in the the response to this podcast has been overwhelmingly positive guys and i really really appreciate that we have an audience all over the world which i am shocked by but really appreciate that as well so everywhere there are authors there are readers there are artists there i mean we are everywhere and so i just really want to give a shout out and say thank you so much um Again, if you want to appear on our panel show um, that we're doing, which is really just going to be a conversation probably online, guys, and me kind of recording it, um, that let me know. Uh, we want to talk about different. We want to talk about different fandoms, and we want to talk about different uh, relationships, and just kind of the thread that ties everything together. I think that would be really cool to do. So, uh, okay, well, that is I think going to be all of our time. Thank you so much for being here well, and talking to me. And just um, sitting down and talking to us about your wonderful, wonderful fic. I will get to that fic. Um, we're not going to put it on the end of this podcast because that, I think, would be another hour and a half or so, probably. Um, but it is so good. It's such a good fiction. It is um, I Walk the Line by Gabna43. You can find it on AO3, uh, along with all of her other amazing stories. And until then, I am just going to leave you Um with a thanks to Gabna once more and a thank you to all of our fanfic writers and fanfic readers and fanfic artists. Uh, keep doing what you do and yeah, much love guys.